In 2020, 2021, and the first part of 2022, we got to live in a real estate market where everybody wanted to sell and they wanted to buy. Now, maybe there were struggles in that process and there was a lot of competition and that would be why someone might remain on the sidelines. Uh, I think we're going to see in 2023, 2024, and 25, the people who will be entering the market are the people who have to sell or who have to buy. That's what we're going to talk about today. This is the In Bloom podcast. I'm your host. I'm Josh Bickford. Uh, today is Tuesday, April the 25th, uh, and we are about to embark on a journey of conversation, coffee, inspiration, and a little peek around the corner as to what's coming. Uh, we do this podcast live Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. You can find us live on YouTube, live on LinkedIn, and live on uh, Facebook, as well as on your audio podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple, Google, Spotify, or any variation thereof. Uh, you can find us there as well a couple hours later. Uh, today, topic of discussion is going to be have to buy versus want to buy, and how what's coming is going to be a market of have to buy, have to sells, and we'll discuss a little bit on how to get some of those want to buy or want to sell off the sideline. Uh, obviously, affordability is an issue and a uh, rising interest rate environment in a world where everybody has a 3% mortgage or a sub 4% mortgage, let's say. Uh, you don't see a lot of people jumping to go and try to find half the house for twice the payment. It's just not happening right now. That's one of our uh, reasons why inventory is so low. So this is what we're going to discuss today. Uh, stoked to share this with you. Uh, but first, the best cultural part of the real estate industry, connecting with our friends, co-workers, mentors, and mentees over a cup of coffee to talk about the future and talk about what we see and, and our dreams and our families and all the good stuff of life. Yummy. All right. So let's jump in. So in mid-2022 here in Colorado, the market completely backflipped. May 15th was the day I caught it. Uh, I was buying houses at scale for a big uh, publicly traded real estate company. And looking at a deal in Parker, Colorado, that should have been a slam dunk based on my closed comps and my pending comps at 795. And it actually, uh, when I looked at the actives, there were two dead ringers that weren't getting 745. And on that day, I knew that the market in that location was down almost 10%. Uh, interest rates had risen 3% at that point. Uh, and to my own shame, I hadn't done a lot of research on what interest rates meant to home affordability, what that meant for prices, how that would change the market. Uh, so I missed the shift when it was, in fact, my job to forecast what was coming. Uh, and that led me to a journey that finds us here today. Uh, because all of that research uh, and all of the reading that I did and the learning and understanding uh, showed me that we're in for something that looks a heck of a lot different uh, in the future than we, have, uh, than we have experienced in the past. So a lot of times, I think as Winston Churchill said, if you want to... Uh, see the future, you have to look into the past. And the farther you want to look ahead, the farther you need to look backwards. And I think um, 
I'm paraphrasing that. It's not a direct quote. I don't know Winston Churchill. He was dead long before I was born. I think. I was born in 1979. So if I'm wrong, what are you going to do? Um, I think there's a lot of truth in that statement, though. So when I saw that the market had completely flipped uh, and I needed to do some fixing and I needed to learn quickly, uh, I identified our issue. We had inflation roaring and the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates real fast. So what does that look like in real estate? I went back and looked at the 1970s. This is the last time we had a really big inflation fight. A couple of things that really stood out to me uh, that not a lot of people are planning for, uh, but I would highly recommend that you do some research on this. Um, in the early 70s, is when inflation really started to tick up. And it wasn't until the mid 80s that we had beaten it. That's a long, long time. We had more than 10 years, I think it was 12 years of north of 10% interest rates on mortgages. I know the world that I was born into, interest rates on mortgages were 18, 19, 20, 21, 22% when I was, when I was a little kid. Nobody was buying houses at those rates, obviously. Uh, so, I don't know that we're going to get back that high again, but where we find ourselves right now is the Federal Reserve can protect the dollar and pull inflation out of the system. And that's what they're doing. They're not, the inflation isn't the thing that matters. The dollar as a unit of measurement, they, if they don't get inflation out of it, that's gone. And we get a lot of power in the United States from that dollar bill. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the news about the de-dollarization of the world and uh, we could probably uh, have many conversations about that and have many different opinions. None of us have any idea what the world looks like if the dollar is no longer there. We just don't. We've, we have no experience for it, nothing to point us towards what the future would look like. So if they decided not to do that, we also have uh, more debt than has ever been accumulated at any point in history. Um, I don't know, it's $30 trillion or something. It's so big, it's video game money. Nobody nobody can wrap their mind around how much money that was. Like if it was stacked in $100 bills on pallets, how many acres would that be? You know, it's, it's a question like that where we just, we have no frame of reference for it. The other thing the Federal Reserve could do though is they could say, let's inflate the dollar away. We'll enter a who knows what, but we can pay off our $30 trillion debt or whatever it is with inflated dollars. Like that's kind of the choices that they have right now. Uh, and that's something, you know, if, if you're advising people in real estate transactions, which is the most expensive thing that they're going to buy, and it's the most important thing that they buy, and it's where you raise your family and you make your memories and you build your life, you want to help people do so in a way that isn't destructive to everything else in their life. So you need to have some um, frame of reference here and do a little bit of studying on uh, inflationary cycles and what could be coming and listen to people who think that this is temporary and listen to people who think that it's long term weigh their arguments out see who's based in reality and in actual data and that sort of thing um, there's a lot of real estate doomers out there right now um, listen to some of them and then listen to some of the people that think that this is you know a flash in the pan look back at their other predictions when you're listening to these people um what have they predicted before, before correctly? Uh, what have they missed? You know, the, the, the movie The Big Short, uh, the characters, you know, the, the people that that movie portrays, uh, those folks 
they saw something pretty big that nobody else did. And so they have, um, they have a lot of sway with people when they, when they speak up on what they see coming because they have a proven track record. For some reason, um, there are people, you know, let's say maybe economists with the NAR who literally get everything wrong and we still listen to them. All they're telling you is this sliver of data means it's a good time to buy a house. This sliver of data means it's a good time to buy a house. Uh, that that's not a complete picture. We need to be better than that in our industry. We need to provide unbelievable service and we need to be the guides that people think they're hiring, not the people who are just trying to get a commission for sure or to, to buy another property if you're if you're with a, a, a big company, let's say. Um, so in doing that research, it's where I really found the assumable mortgage, which I've talked about a lot. Uh, you need to you need to you need to understand how those work, how to do them, uh, how to find them, all of that, because those are affordable. Like the the problems with the interest rate market, the volatility, assumable notes are locked. Uh, unaffordability, we can afford those payments. Uh, you just you can check them off the list. Like those are going to be the most in demand products. But um, if you look at what is likely coming, deflation, higher interest rates the slowing of the economy, maybe the grinding of a halt to the economy. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, the word's not coming to me, but volatility is kind of what I'm thinking. But there's a lot of, you know, could go this way, could go this way kind of stuff going on uh, that can be scary. We're not going to be afraid of it. So touch on that because the discussion that came after looking at, wow, you know, assumable mortgages are going to be a thing is, well, who the heck is actually going to sell their house? Uh, how are we going to get inventory in a market where half the house is twice the payment? Like, who's going to do that, right? So, a couple of things. People who have to sell. Obviously, if you have to sell, you're not trying to time the market. You're not looking for the best opportunity. You're not... Um, you're probably not concerned with highest and best price and best terms. You're probably most concerned with, I have to sell this house. Who are some of those people? Well, people who are relocating for work. You know, if, if you are in North Carolina and you're moving to Washington State, you're probably not going to keep your house in North Carolina, even if it has that dinky little interest rate. Now, if it has a government mortgage on it, selling it's going to be pretty easy uh, because you can sell it with that assumable mortgage and someone's going to snap that thing up quick. Um, so people who are relocating, divorce, estate sales, uh, those type of situations. Everybody in real estate knows these. The reasons why a person has to sell their house. That is going to be the domin like what dominates real estate over the next few years because people are not going to look to increase their housing expenses in, an, in a slowing economy for less house than they already have. They're just going to stick with what they have. So a lot of the people that you've seen over the last few years they want another bedroom or they want a pool in the backyard or they want better views or uh, that sort of thing. You, you could probably put half the cells in some areas, uh, like high crime areas or with bad schools where people are, I have to get out of here for my kid's sake. Uh, those people will still move, but they might not sell their house. They might keep it if they're staying in the same town, right? Let's talk about builders. In my opinion, once kind of reality is accepted and we start to see this thing really slide, I think that builders are going to have a ton of, we're building more houses than we've ever, we've ever built. 
builders are going to have a ton of inventory uh, that's coming to market that they need to sell. That kind of compounds on itself because if you have to sell and you've got, you know, whatever, like they don't deal in small numbers. If they've got 10,000 houses nationwide to sell, they don't have any choice. Each market's going to be a little bit different, but if, if they got a neighborhood of 200 houses that are in the ground ready to go and none of them are selling, like that's a buyer's market big time. It's going to, that's going to be tricky. I think if you have clients who can afford, you know, think, think not luxury, don't think like multi-million dollar, but kind of that lower end of the luxury market, say maybe 750 to 1.5 million in most markets, like kind of in that range. Uh, maybe it's a little higher, maybe it's a little lower where you live. I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity there because we built a ton of houses based on a 3% interest rate and what the payment would be at that price point. Um, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, and I was in, I was back home recently and I was looking through Zillow. I couldn't believe the amount of houses for sale north of 1.5 million that were new builds there. I, I just don't see how that market carries that much uh, at that price point when the payment is more like eight, nine, 10 grand and not like two, three, four grand for the buyer. So there's going to be opportunity there. That one is obviously a painful one. There will be other opportunities. There isn't pain. Uh, with builders, there will be pain. And in your market, if you're in an area nearby where there's a ton of building available, like that part of the market's going to really get hurt with that too. Uh, so those are, those are kind of your have to sell. Now, who are your have to buys? If we're honest, nobody. Nobody has to buy. You can rent. In a lot of markets right now, uh, here in Colorado, certainly you can see this. Um, there's a lot of places where renting is a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars less per month than owning that house would be. Why would anybody do that? Answer is they wouldn't. So have to buy is a little tricky because there's not going to be as many have to buys, which also leads you to your um, buyer seller market kind of in balance that we're going to see. So um, want to sells, you know, hey, I'd like I'd like a pool in the backyard or hey, I would I think we saw a lot of this in the last real estate debacle after 2008, where people started um, adding on to their house instead of buying something else because they were upside down or whatever. Um, not going to be as many want to sells in the market. I think you can pull. So we're taking note of I think you can pull the people who want to sell off the sidelines with assumable notes. If, you, if they can buy another house and keep their payment very affordable, why would you not, if, if that's what you really want to do? You might not get top dollar on what you're selling, but you're not going to pay top dollar on what you're buying either. Kind of, that goes both ways. If, you get, if you're going to get top dollar, you're going to have to pay top dollar. So it uh, might work a little bit different with assumable notes in there because if you've got the only assumable note in the area and it's an area people would want to live, there's going to be a lot of demand for that. That was want to buy. No, that was want to sell, excuse me. Want to buy, you can pretty much categorize every buyer here. Hang on, I gotta mute myself. There's really no such thing as I have to buy a house. So pretty much anyone who lands as a buyer is going to be, I want to buy. What are want to buy is gonna be looking for? The right deal, the payment they can afford, the location they want, all of that. If it's a buyer's market, they're going to have a lot more uh, opportunity all over the place where they can just be really picky and choosy. 
This will be people who have cash, people who know about assumable mortgages. This will be people who are deal hunting. You know, like I, we talked about new construction. Um, if you're somebody who can swing an $800,000 house, you might go looking for something that was originally planned to sell for one, two, one, three, one, four, maybe one, five. If we're, you know, a couple years down the road and there's just no demand for that, you might look at them like, man, that's a, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going to take that. There, there will be some of that too. Investors get rich during downturns. So, you know, if you work with investors, that's going to be a huge opportunity there too, because uh, they're going to, there's going to be deals galore and they're going to be able to be picky. Unlike the last few years, if you don't work with investors, you probably should uh, try to find a few who are going to operate through this because that can be a few sales for you each year, obviously. Uh, a couple of other things on the market to, th to think about when you're talking about have to sell, want to sell, that sort of thing. How this will all shake out. If you go to a mortgage calculator, pick any one of them. I've done previous podcasts. We've talked about this. You have the same mortgage payment if interest rates go up one by 1% at a 10% less mortgage. So at 3%, a $400,000 mortgage has the same payment as a 4%, $360,000 mortgage. Because everybody buys real estate with mortgages, largely valuations are an interest rate play. The lower interest rates go, the higher prices go and vice versa. So if we are in for a long grind of pulling inflation out of the system and you know rates right now are near seven, so we're up about 4%, that means if this held for a really long time, in some places it would reason to say we're probably gonna see a slide nearing 40% of value. Now, there's a lot of other things that come into play with that and that sounds terrifying to say. Uh, and it would have to stay there for a long time. Uh, but if you just take the emotions out of it and put logic on there, it would make sense. People have to be able to afford the house that they're going to buy, period. If people cannot afford the houses, nobody buys. So that's one of the reasons that people say everybody's left California over the last few years and why they're leaving New York. These really expensive markets, it just doesn't make any sense. You can go to another part of the country and buy something you can truly afford. Uh, and have a better life, just overall holistic lifestyle. So that that is worth noting. Um, when you think about new construction, when you think about places where you're going to see big inventory spikes, that's going to come into play. And I don't tell you that to scare you or to make you fear tomorrow, because we don't do that here. We're not afraid of tomorrow. We, uh, we look at it with wide open eyes and... Um, we accept it as though it was our choice and we look for the opportunity and we will thrive. Uh, that's super important to know. Don't ever forget. If you accept what is and you look for the opportunity, there is it's real estate. There is always opportunity. And if you're willing to look forward and embrace that opportunity, you've got a lot brighter future than someone who is trying to do anything they can to bend the market to their will and go backwards. That's a very frustrating place to be. Um, but if you, if you just keep an eye on interest rates and if they keep climbing, it means values are going to have to come down. The longer we hold that, the more values are going to have to come down. Houses have got to be affordable. So that affordability, 
Uh, right now we've got a lack of inventory in a lot of places. We're gonna see that tick up. We're building more houses than we ever had. have. There's a ton of multifamily houses under contract right now. Again, more than we've ever done. Um, that's going to cause rent rent markets to, you know, there are rent is already going down, which is a good thing. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Real estate, specifically rent and real estate purchase prices went crazy over the last few years. There's a lot of inflation there, a lot of inflation in automobiles, too. Uh, places where using the Federal Reserve's free money really came with a lot of advantage. We're going to see more correction in those spots. So um, all of that to just, you know, wrap your mind around the idea that the customer base you're looking for is largely going to be of the have to move variety and not of the want to move variety. So that will mean a little bit different clientele, probably a little bit different marketing. Um, as always, I say, I say it every podcast, get to know assumable mortgages. People will jump off the sidelines for those. People will sell those first. They will sell for more. Uh, that's just, they're affordable. That's the best option. Homes with assumable mortgages, there will be no greater feature to that house. The most marketable thing will be the mortgage, period. Um, and that, that day's coming. I would encourage you to look at the links below and and jump in and learn a little bit. I've got free material out there to teach you all about it. This podcast, we've talked about it a lot. Go back, just last week, uh, we we talked about a lot of different, we went through specific deals. Yesterday, we went through eight pending deals here in Colorado and talked about why those were such good opportunities and why, why they're pending and not sitting active on the market forever. We looked at some deals in Las Vegas, more than 50 grand higher price for an assumable mortgage pending right now and pending at 448, chosen over a house at 370 that's been on the market almost 200 days. Uh, there's a lot of evidence out there uh, that's building that these are going to save a lot of people's bacon, for lack of a better way of putting it. You're going to want to implement those into your business for sure. So that's all we've got today. Uh, can't wait to see it tomorrow. If you got value out of this today, uh, if there's, let me, let me know in the comments below. You got a question? Ask. Uh, you've got an idea or you disagree with me, put it put it in the comments. Uh, be sure to like if you got value. Share it with a friend. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on the social platform of your choice or the podcast platform of your choice. And until tomorrow at 9 a.m. Mountain, when I will see you again and we'll enjoy another delicious cup of coffee, I hope today is one of the best days of your life. God bless you.